0: Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins.
1: And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today we are diving into episode 14 of season two of Twin Peaks.
0: Ooh, uh, I Ooh. double play, I believe is what this is yes. called. And I meant to look up whether that's a chess move thing, because I was like, I have no idea what that means.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I don't remember too much from. Uh, the one season, the season of the Queen's Gambit that I watched, but it does sound <laughs> like a chess move of some sort.
0: It does, and I was like, two chess metaphors as titles in a row.
1: When the influence. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: we got to meet him today. Oh my gosh, I found Ugh. this episode. Let's do first impressions because I okay. found this one to be particularly scary. And yes,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I keep thinking like. This is around the time where people are always like, if you listen to podcasts of Twin Peaks, they're always like, it's so bad right now. Uh, uh."
2: How could you
1: ever say that? This episode was scary and it was so good.
0: I know there were some really funny moments, but I found it overall pretty creepy. I was pleasantly Mm -hmm. surprised to see that the James storyline already seems to be kind of wrapping up and i was like i thought this yes. lasted a lot longer before donna came in <laughs>
1: <laughs> no thankfully donna comes to rescue us from that storyline
0: yes <laughs> so what, what was your first impression though
1: <laughs> i really enjoyed it i think uh was a, maybe it was last week's episode that i was like not as jazzed about it and as i usually am but right. i feel like this episode just like snap me right back. And it's just I love the how scary it was all the really spooky imagery that we got of like the like fog filled forests and yes, dark waterfall and all the owls. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I when I was just looking up the notes, I found out speaking of which, where are they? Did they? (laughs) (laughs) Uh
1: (laughs) (sighs)
2: disappear?
0: Anyway, when I was looking up the notes, I was like, very the person who directed this one hadn't ever directed a twin peaks before this was actually the first thing he directed oh wow i can't find it where is it (laughs) where are my notes damn it Uh uh-oh this could be bad news (laughs) technology okay i have no idea they've disappeared oh maybe if i look at recents
2: nope
0: (laughs) oh today Nope. (laughs) Get out of here. What on earth? I can't believe it. Well, whatever. I did the notes. Let me get my book just so I can... (laughs) Sorry. Was there anything else for first impressions that you wanted to say?
1: No, I don't think so.
0: Okay. Well, I don't know what happened, but the notes that I did seem to have disappeared,
1: (laughs) Technology is... Firmly against us today.
0: Definitely uh, firmly against us. If
1: you want, we could save the notes for. You can do like we can record them separately on like Thursday or something. If you want to see if you could find it.
0: No, I could
1: do it. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in you.
0: Now for the notes. Okay, this episode was directed by. I guess I never even, we were just in the middle of a thought when I stopped. But I was going, I was thinking about the director who was called Mm -hmm. Yuli Edel. Uh And this was the first thing he directed in Hollywood. He was a German director. Uh And he knew David Lynch because he had worked with him on Dune. He had done like Uh the German trailer or something like that. Okay. And so David Lynch saw him when he was at his hotel for whatever reason and was like, hey, what are you doing here in America? And he was <laughs>
2: like,
0: I don't know, trying to find some work. And David Lynch was like, well, come direct an episode of Twin Peaks. And so that was his That's first cool. Hollywood job. He's a really interesting IMDb himself, but hmm. I didn't. I do remember he directed Miss of Avalon, <laughs> which <laughs> was a miniseries based on a series of books that I really like. And... Scott Frost was the writer of this one.
1: Ah, brother to Markra
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, the cast, there were a couple of new people, so, hold on, I'm trying to find them. Kenneth Welsh, who played Wyndham Earl, was a new <laughs> character. So scary. <laughs> I know. And, oh, David Warner played Thomas Eckhart.
2: Uh-huh, who we uh-huh.
0: met. And was this the first time we had met Andrew Packard? We've seen him before, right?
1: Yeah, we saw him I think two episodes ago.
0: Yeah. And then Brenda Strong played Jones, who is Thomas Eckhart's secretary like, or whatever. Yes.
1: She's yeah. had a very severe look
2: to her.
0: <laughs> okay. And so that's really all I wrote down for new cast. And I was going to mention that Thomas Eckhart's name is probably a reference to Meister Eckhart, who is a German theologian, philosopher, and mystic, who I'd never heard of before. Me either. Actually, last week, because of the notes saying that William S. Burroughs almost played Dougie, I I think it was Dougie, um, Uh Dougie Milford, I looked him up because I was like, I recognize that name, and he was like... I learned a whole. His Wikipedia entry is very interesting. If you want to look up William S. Burroughs, (laughs) he was like from the B generation. And I was like, because I've read a lot of like Jack Kerouac and Allen Ginsberg. And I, anyway, I was very interested. So William S. Burroughs, very interesting. But uh, I learned a little bit about. Meister Eckhart this week. (laughs) Also, I was Hmm. learning from this that Dixie, the song that Ben Horn sings. Yes. Was a song from like the 1950s, obviously, and became like the de facto song for the Confederacy. But it was also one of Abraham Lincoln's favorites. And he would play it at like, some of his political rallies and he played it when Robert E. Lee surrendered. So I just was like, oh, that's interesting.
1: (laughs) You said 1850s? Yeah. Okay. For a second, I I thought you said 1950s and I was like, wait. (laughs) I'm confused.
0: (laughs) That would be very confusing. Um, Okay, so and then (laughs) the other stuff I had for notes was uh, in the Twin Peaks Unwrapped book. Uh Uh-huh. Ellie or Eli, uh, Uli? Uli. Adele. I don't know how you would pronounce it in German. It's U-L-I-E-D-E-L. I want to say U- Ulle? Uli Edel. Uli? Uli? I don't know. <laughs> but he said that the next episode is directed by Diane Keaton. And he said that Ooh. she was a little nervous because she hadn't directed for TV I don't know if she directed anything before but she hadn't directed for tv so she was a little nervous about trying to get the seven like get it all done in seven days so she right. asked him if she could follow him around and like you know observe him and he right. was like a little bit flattered by that oh. <laughs> because you know she's worked with really great directors before so he was like why would you want to follow me around you've you know
2: right. with friends <laughs> for coppola
0: of, and stuff
1: <laughs> right out of all the directors <laughs>
0: yeah so that was just it must have been a really i should go back and listen to that interview it's been a while since i've heard that episode also yeah i think that's all i had oh the log line in the twin peaks unwrapped book is a misprint because it's the same one from last week so i was very confused for a minute
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) oh also a log lady intro
1: so I think his I think it's Uli because his his full name was Ulrich Adele.
0: Mm. So
1: maybe it's Uli, Uli, Adele. Adele. Uli
0: Adel, Uli I don't know. German Adele? is very hard. It's remarkably similar to English though in certain ways, so Ugh.
1: sometimes both we are the worst. It, it's like <laughs> <laughs> both languages should go away.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> since I speak English, I'd like it to stay around because I'm not going to
1: learn <laughs> we, Let's just all learn romance languages. They all have the same construction.
0: <laughs> no, I don't like romance languages because it's got gendered language and it's too freaking confusing as to why that's things true. are masculine and feminine.
1: <laughs> that's yeah, that's one thing. I'm like, well, let's just let's just make our own. <laughs> That'll be less confusing. I'll go so with now.
0: Esperanto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well I got the log lady intrum. Okay. The heart. It is a physical organ, we all know. But how much more an emotional organ. This we also know. Love, like blood, flows from the heart. Are blood and love related? Does a heart pump blood as it plump-pumps <laughs> <Sorry.
2: laughs>
0: Does a heart pump blood as it pumps love? Is love the blood of the universe? Oh, I like that one. It doesn't really yes. ring as a Log Lady intro. I should have watched the DVDs to actually watch her say it, but I like that last sentence of like...
1: oh (laughs) is is love the blood of the the heart
0: pump um is love the blood of the universe yeah
1: (laughs) it's surprisingly i guess maybe it's i don't know if they've all been necessarily like pessimistic but i feel like the last few have been a little bit of like scary or like for forewarning log lines from her but this seems surprisingly optimistic
0: yeah i feel like i could see david lynch having this thought of blood and hearts and love Mm -hmm. as the blood of the universe but i am not 100% where that fits with this episode i mean there are Uh, some love moments
1: yeah there are i mean donna
0: and james and ed and norma but and evelyn not really well is that love
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think it it seems sincere when she said it and she let him she let him escape
0: that's true that's true well, I'm excited. Let's get go ahead and get into it because... Yes. My notes were a little...
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, so for the recap, episode 14, Double Play, we open in Harry's office. Oh, my...
0: <laughs> want to say like before we even uh-huh. get started because when i was watching the credits i was thinking do you think ever- people ever swim in that waterfall in the summer like when it's warmer do you think it's like a swimming place
1: oh yeah i think so because it, it seems never... very i don't know like it seems like the perfect place to be like take my picture
0: totally uh, someday i'm gonna go i'm gonna stay at the great northern whatever it's called and i'm gonna swim in that waterfall but then uh, <laughs> that made me think since Twin peaks is like only takes place over the course of like assumably like 30 days because there's 30 episodes and every day is an episode mm-hmm. we pretty much only see march
1: <laughs> so yeah
0: i was wondering about like the seasons but we never see any other season we just see like late winter 30. early spring
1: yeah, I would love to see a Twin Peaks like late fall, early winter, where it's snowy and pretty. And... It
0: feels like fall. It feels like it should be taking place over the course of October and November, but it's March. <laughs> I never thought hmm. about it before. It just well, it was something I thought about today.
1: <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I never thought about that, but I don't know. Maybe maybe one day we'll get some Twin Peaks in the other seasons, the off seasons.
0: I know it makes me feel like if I ever go to Washington, I should go in March, but I kind of want to go like in the summer or the fall.
1: I would prefer, ugh, I don't know. I feel like maybe...
0: winter. <laughs> just go for winter.
1: <laughs> just, just move there.
2: <laughs> Spend a
0: year in Washington and a year in England and I can yes. just
1: observe. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the ultimate mashup episode.
0: <laughs> uh, if we could ever get this Patreon started. Maybe someday we can. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Sorry.
0: (laughs) Not to derail us before we even begin.
1: (laughs) No, you're fine. So we open in Harry's office where Doc Hayward and Cooper are inspecting the body Wyndham Earl has left for them. They find a pawn in his mouth under the tape um, and they bag it as evidence. He instructs Andy to dust the chess piece for prints while Andy tries his best not to look at the body. (laughs)
0: It's so dark in there because I was like, why don't they have a generator at the police station? you would think?
1: Yeah. I think I'm guessing it's probably because small town in the early 90s, maybe because like, if you think about it
0: still, it's a police station. It should have a generator.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it should definitely. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like I wrote down like for a small town that they probably rarely ever have murders. You know, they seem to be really, They seem to be really racking up a bunch of crimes (laughs) because they've got Laura, they've got Leland, they've got um, this guy, they've got a lot of people.
0: But they seem to have plenty of power outages, so.
2: (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. And so Harry comes in and says the fire and the blackout distracted everyone from witnessing anything. So no leads to start off with. Coop tells Doc that if he lifts up the victim's shirt, that he'll find a stab wound one inch beneath the sternum facing upwards, severing the aorta. (gasps) He knows everything about Wyndham. (laughs) I wrote, not shocking to us. They find exactly that. (sighs) Uh, They check around the desk for any blood trail, but they don't find anything besides a piece of like a tree branch. Harry says that it belongs to a lodgepole, and I wrote infernces in all caps, LODGE. They don't trust <laughs> anything in this series anymore. <laughs> they ask Coop if Wyndham really did this, and he goes on a monologue about what probably happened and where they'll find the victim's car, <gasps> and that Wyndham is responsible for the fire and at outage, and that they won't find any mistakes, alluding to that Wyndham may have done this before, hint hint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
0: he seems to really know everything about Wyndham, and i mm-hmm. do wonder when has he done this before and we do learn later like a little bit about like the wound and how we know that the wound was going to be like that but it still feels like uh, i don't know it feels like he should have done more than what we were explained for him to have done you know like yeah has Wyndham gone on a rampage before like this but we don't yeah. explanation
1: yeah that's kind of like what i'm kind of that's what i was questioning like okay we kind of get somewhat of a reveal later on but it doesn't seem as like enough <laughs> and yeah it doesn't seem to the magnitude that we're getting
2: right now
0: <laughs> exactly yeah hmm.
2: and i've never really know.
0: thought about that but yeah i was like i'm gonna need some more specifics from you cooper <laughs>
2: yes
1: spell <laughs> the beans, please this is this is the point where you tell us everything
2: exactly <sighs>
1: well at the great northern audrey and bobby are scheming together trying to help bring her father back to reality and audrey successfully convinces bobby that to get what he wants we'll need to start sucking up to her oh,
0: that's one of my favorite lines she's like from now on you suck up to me
1: <laughs>
0: and yeah it's a bit of a fire hazard there at the great northern with the power off <laughs> They've got literally candles on every single inch of surface. Yes,
1: on every <laughs> inch of wooden surface. <laughs> I
0: know, I was like, uh, I don't think your insurance is going to be crazy about this.
1: <laughs> no, if you've got insurance. Oh, I'm sure
0: the Great Northern has insurance.
1: <laughs> an all wood building. All right. Um, so let me go to Shelly and Leo's and it's pitch black and there's disgusting ominous feeling in the air
0: i said poor shelly she's always in a horror movie
1: <laughs> i know she can't ever catch a break it's like every single point of this series so far has been horrible for her and i hate it
0: it's just so scary and so dark <laughs>
1: this mm-hmm. scene. she starts calling out for leo and then we see his shadowy outline by the back door but then the lights start to flicker a little bit on and off and then she looks back he's gone and i wrote get out I wonder,
0: <laughs> do they have a generator are they the only ones in this town with a generator because
1: it, it kind of like, like comes on for
0: a second it but i'm not sure
1: <laughs> it does seem like it like i'm like why are there lights but then you know i don't it, everything about this scene kind of came off as like a little bit supernatural-esque so i'm like is True. it like bob's influence in the room is it something's influence in the room who knows mm. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I don't like it. All right. So I just have pan- so
0: much to say because I was scared during the scene.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was really scary. Panicking, she runs to the front door to try to escape, but find that it's locked. It and said, we Learn flash- to
0: for a lock, Shelly. <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> turn a lock, break a window, do something. <laughs> She can never um, get out.
0: She's always like, no, the handle won't work. Dang it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, just break it, please. <laughs> so she tries it. It's locked. And then we kind of flash to an owl outside hooting, which to <gasps> me was bad news. And then we see Leo's wheelchair scooting forward a little bit in the kitchen. And a Shelly wheelchair. <laughs> uh, yeah. I was like, yeah. I was like, this looks like one of those wheelchairs from like uh, 1920s, it's like. The- like asylum
0: yeah the one they have in the theater and the department. (laughs) yes
1: very (laughs) creepy um and as she makes a run for the back door it gets pushed in front of her and she goes tumbling to the ground oh my goodness yes we look up and we see leo in the shadows holding something he's saying to himself (gasps) bad girl and then he throws it at her i don't know what he was holding it looked very floppy and i thought at first when i first saw it i was like oh it's like gonna be a weapon and then he throws that at her and it just kind of plops on the ground that i never see it again
0: oh i don't I remember it i thought it i thought it was like glass or something
1: <laughs> uh, i'm not sure but she tries the back door and it's locked and then she goes for a kitchen knife and then again. finds leo turn again.
0: the lock that's all it takes you're inside
1: <laughs> yeah well at first <laughs> i was like that's what i was saying but then i was like maybe but then she would have the key so it wouldn't make sense i was like maybe leo because he's like an abusive piece of garbage had like locks on locks. either side where you have to key it but then she could just cut through the house which she does anyways so. i don't know
0: i mean it's just i don't know that if you have one of those key locks you keep a key right next to the door it's not like
1: yeah well and also she it's not like he would be having it because she would have it Because she was in charge
0: Yeah, Yeah. I
1: don't know. We'll
0: just chalk it up to her being out of her mind with scaredness. Yes. (laughs) But still. Yes. (laughs) You need to practice, Shelley. Practice opening locks. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) So she goes for a kitchen knife and finds Leo's gone again. Mm. Then she goes to try. She tries to cut her way out through the unbuilt part of the house. But Leo catches her and throws her back into the kitchen. But just then, Bobby comes home and finds... (gasps)
0: sorry i just remembered Uh when you said it was a floppy that he threw at her that was remember from the first episode the pilot he had the soap in a sock that he's
2: oh and she was like no
0: don't but then he just threw it at her and it wasn't like he tried to kill beat her with it or anything
1: right and then there was a callback to that at the end of this episode that i didn't catch yes okay that makes sense okay so bobby comes home and finds uh leo going crazy and the next yeah he starts walking to shelly with an axe and says goodbye wife but bobby he jumps in worst. and saves her he is worse i keep I waiting, waiting like, for what this did
0: laura ever see in you Leo?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: i keep waiting for some redemptive moment but it doesn't seem to
2: come anyways hmm.
1: leo begins choking bobby with the handle of the axe but shelly returns the i wrote returns the savior favor and stabs <laughs> leo in the leg to free bobby Leo it stumbles out like to the hole. about like half
0: an inch into his leg. It looks like yeah. <laughs> the least effective stab of a knife
1: ever. <laughs> yeah, it barely went in. Yeah. But Leo stumbles out through the whole Shelly cut in the unbuilt part of the house and disappears into the night. <laughs>
0: Screaming in the trees. So do you think he's been faking it this whole time?
1: No because he still seems very much like what's the word like he's still not like, like out of it. Yeah he's not 100% so something definitely was wrong with him. So maybe he's he seems
0: more out of it at the end of the episode than he does in this scene. In this scene he's like yeah talking
2: like, yeah, he can I recognize understand people. what he's talking
0: about. Yeah. If I was Shelly, I would never go back to that house again.
1: Yeah, well <laughs> why like, would she? Norma,
0: I'm moving in to your house. <laughs>
1: yeah. I feel like uh, at this point, normal would be like, Yeah, you're gonna move in my house.
0: I'd be like, somebody finish the construction so that I have walls, first off. <laughs> Give me some new oh. locks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then sell the house. Ugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's All such right. a
0: scary up. I mean, that whole scene is so is scary. Yeah. It made me think like, why do people complain about this? This is like the scariest woodpeaks I've seen yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, especially this scene felt very much like almost like a slasher film in a yeah. way, because it was like the two like you know, the two survivors at the end staring at the hole in the wall, and there's scary music playing and screaming. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know.
0: Well, maybe not as scary as Bob and, like, Maddie, but still, it was scary. I was scared.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they were still pretty scary. All right. up uh, we at, go to a corpse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, we get flash right there. Um, back at the police station, the paramedics are wheeling the body away, and Harry comes in to tell Coop that everything he said was right. Duh. Uh, Coop's Let's us know that he's been cleared of all charges, but he's not been reinstated yet. But since he's still deputized, uh, Harry offers him the case and Coop takes it.
0: (laughs) Harry, I want it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Harry, I want it. (laughs) Hawk comes in to let let us know that the car was found exactly where Coop was said and that Hank wasn't at the buy at Dead Dog Farm because he was hit by a bus.
2: Uh-huh. "Quote unquote."
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those nights where like everything crazy happens at once, like, a, mm-hmm. like it could have been like a season cliffhanger almost. But I was just wondering, like, was it a full moon in Twin Peaks that night? <laughs> because there are just these random God. nights where like everything crazy happens
1: <laughs> at once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was wondering because it seems like they're really having an uptick in incidences
0: <laughs> yeah
1: okay but hawk handcuffed him and lets the two know that shelly called in and told them about leo uh-huh.
2: um
1: I, I wrote in my notes right after that seems like last night was an unusually busy night for crime <laughs> and scary shit to happen
2: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then i wrote those damn owls but it
0: must have been a full moon. <laughs>
1: yeah in the lobby andy is having some difficulty with a rubber glove and then he tells lucy <laughs> His and Dick's suspicions about little Nikki, to which she doesn't respond positively about. She then <laughs> says, she'll get to the bottom of this. And then I wrote, Detective Lucy's exactly what the show needs.
0: That's right, Lucy. <laughs>
1: you get to the bottom of it. <laughs> she, she'll figure it out.
0: It does sound a lot more ridiculous when he's like, I think this six-year-old murdered his parents. It's like, yes. um, okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she was like, He's nine. oh andy and dick at the marsh residence we see james working on a car uh, and jeffrey we get introduced to him comes by with evelyn and then i wrote evelyn has the best hair Uh, (laughs) (laughs) just i kept looking at it i was like just like the perfect 90s like like not comb over but like flop over like what do you call it well the
0: the bangs were like super (whick) up in the air and then like
1: and then, I like, can't. super drapey. Yeah. <laughs> very...
0: Whoosh. Yeah, exactly. I can only make sounds for the things that I'm Right.
1: <laughs> and they start talking back and forth, and it almost seems like in code, because Jeffrey's like, we have a mutual love, dot, 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 of cars. Uh, Very awkward. But um, <laughs> Evelyn says that she's going to convince James to stay because she's got plenty for him to do. And as Jeffrey drives off, in the car that James fixed, so we need to be specific about that. We see Evelyn sort of fantasizing of a car crash because we hear screeching s- tires and uh someone yeah. screaming and a big old crash. And then I wrote, uh oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, yeah, no, go. I was just gonna say crash oh no it was a little unclear though as to like whether yeah. it's happening or not
1: yeah that's i assumed by later in the episodes that it took a while for stuff to kind of come about because of it that maybe it was her just being like my plan is emotion
0: yeah jeffrey marsh though jeffrey marsh Looks like such a dweeb in his tracksuit. Yeah, what did you think of Jeffrey?
1: I hey, well, I mean, you know, obviously, like, appearances can be deceiving, but just the way that he presented himself and the way he interacted with Evelyn, I don't know, it just maybe, like, is he the person who's been, like, abusing her? just because i was like something doesn't seem right about it like it didn't seem even like the set like the what you call it, the scene itself never felt very tense so i was like yeah. what, is, what is going on around here something something seems off
0: yeah something definitely does not seem right about it because he does not seem like an angry abusive type of a person now granted you can't no. always tell but like right. we know that evelyn is a freaking liar so
2: right i just
0: don't know she seems like very creepy during the scene she doesn't have yeah. any bruises anymore she's no. this weird crash thing goes on and he is like so like i'm the least threatening person on earth yeah
1: I <laughs> love my cars yeah he <laughs> so. just seems very like you know just non-threatening at all and like like you said with evelyn like she doesn't seem to be taking a back seat in this scene at all like you would think if he was very like as oppressive as we are led to believe so like you know i'm i'm not gonna discount anything that's happened but i'm gonna definitely keep an extra eye on this because yeah. it seems kind of weird yeah
0: but, definitely uh,
1: oh but what i wrote after the little car crash fantasy was uh-oh not another blonde deceiving james I roll
0: the story of his life <laughs>
1: he just can't help himself apparently (laughs) all right so now we go to the double r and ed and doc are talking about nadine and lets him know that she's wanting to start seeing some boys and he doesn't know what to do about that (laughs) he he then insinuates that nadine's sex drive and activity are off the charts and that his (laughs) body has really taken a beating
0: oh my god this is just one of my favorite Interactions.
1: Yeah, because it's like like, so matter of fact. Just from
0: the beginning, when he's like, Nadine wants to start dating boys and she's likely to kill a young kid. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it really seems like Ed is getting his because between Nadine and we know Norma is like, yeah. He's oversexed at the moment.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I need a break. Yeah. Uh,
0: he also has no bruises, which I found interesting. Yeah. Because hmm. I'm pretty sure he got his ass kicked before Nadine came in in the last yeah, he episode. Was,
1: yeah, he was getting punched in the face. So maybe he's got really good cover up, full coverage.
0: Him and Evelyn both. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Doc tells him to set a curfew for her. And I wrote, as if a curfew <laughs> ever stopped teens from having sex.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But Norma brings Ed his meal with extra potatoes because they're in love.
0: They're so cute.
1: They are really cute. And Ed lets Duck know about where Donna's going and why and that he shouldn't worry. And as he leaves, Norma brings Ed what looks like a slice of cherry pie. And I wrote, comma because they're in love. And <laughs> <laughs> she lets Ed know that Hank was in the hospital because a tree fell on him.
0: His other excuse.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's
0: either hit by a car or hit by a tree. Either way, thank you, Nadine.
1: Yes. <laughs> I loved Ed was res- uh, Ed Edward's, Ed, Ed's response saying, yeah, our Redwood name, Nadine. <laughs> um, she is a Redwood. Yeah, she really is. Uh, they talk <laughs> about correcting mistakes and starting anew together. And I wrote, they're the cutest.
0: They are. They're super cute.
1: Yes, I'm rooting for them. All right, so back at the Marsh residence, James is throwing a little temper tantrum. Evelyn pleads with him not to leave, but he's determined.
0: This scene is so weird because there's like a sports match going on in the background, which is yeah. so loud. It's so weird.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, the, my subtitles told me it was a basketball game, but you couldn't tell me anything. You could tell me it was a football game, and I was like, okay.
0: There's just like a bunch of people screaming, like, what? Yeah.
1: Maybe it's a metaphor that it's getting crazy at the Marsh House. It's getting or crazy. Or maybe maybe it's a metaphor that he's s- getting he's getting played.
0: It's interesting though, because like this director is the only thing he directed for Twin Peaks. Yet there's mm. some very unique moments that are like oh. I've never seen a sports game under a scene before. Like just bizarre yeah. different.
1: Definitely different. Uh, back at the station, Coop is analyzing a chessboard. He tells Hank that he'll publish his response in the Twin Peaks Gazette. And then he then dishes to Harry the history of Wyndham Earl and what really went down between them. Mm-hmm. And that he suspects Wyndham killed his own wife and feigned his mental instability that sent him away. But at some point, he lost the ability to decipher what's right and wrong. And then we super cut to a foggy forest. And I wrote, seems like a big fat no to me. Because they are scary.
0: I had a lot to say during this scene. First of all, the whole chess match thing seems like such a distraction. Like, Cooper, you're focusing on the wrong stuff. Right. Something you will not probably know about yet. But I would like to just present in case anyone has ever seen the rest of Twin Peaks. But, like, was Wyndham on the Blue Rose Task Force? We'll find out out about that later. But so, like, and then Caroline, she was stabbed like the vagrant was stabbed. And that's how he knew that that's how the vagrant was stabbed. But, like... (laughs) I don't know. There's just... He says a lot. So I'm like, yes, she was obviously married to a psychopath. Right. He obviously killed her. And he's like, he lost the ability to distinguish right and wrong. And I was like, yeah, before he murdered his wife, he did. Like, not after he was in the insane (laughs) asylum.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that was something I caught too. I was like, I don't think it was afterwards. I think it was kind of before when he was committing crimes.
0: Yeah. I mean, he faked his insanity. So I'm like, what is he capable of besides murdering his wife? And I right. want the details of his other crimes because like this new crime seems to be based on something. But we all we know is that he killed his wife. And I mean, right. not that that's not a bad thing to do, but like, it doesn't seem to make a pattern, you know? Yeah,
2: because
1: like, you know, it, it, the way that she was stabbed could been in like a one time freak thing. That's just how he stabbed her. Like, how do you know that that's his like signature? And how do you know exactly. these things about him? Also, I just felt like
0: there wasn't enough explanation.
1: Yeah. And like you said, uh, that him focusing on the chest thing seems kind of like he's not looking at the right stuff. Like clearly for him to do all the stuff, he's not going to go far away from Coop. So he's got to be nearby. So I feel like they should be looking nearby. Right. And
0: I, again, this is the second time in David Lynch that I've gotten very Mike Myers vibes because like (laughs) escape from the insane asylum, coming back to wreak havoc. Not that he's up. michael myers ish but like there's I I just yeah get the feeling of
2: it yeah hmm. not that this episode know. has
0: anything to do with david lynch but <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs>
1: okay sorry uh, okay. no, i i had a lot to say <laughs> <laughs> no that was a we had a lot of information from that was, at hideout wally's we see donna walking up to the bar and evelyn's a there are drinking for our bar hideout wally's it's <laughs> a weird uh, she asked a bartender about James and Evelyn steps in and I, I wrote, I feel like Donna is trying to match Evelyn's mysterious aura because she kind of has like a certain like mood change where she like is talking very serious and like takes out a cigarette and is lighting it yeah. and she's like trying to be like, like really stern.
0: Oh, I'm dealing with an, an Evelyn type. I better put on my Laura persona.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dealt, felt very much like that. Um and Evelyn's
0: got like this lollipop which just is so
1: mm-hmm.
0: weirdly out of character it feels for her but like a little bit. It just feels weird that she's at this bar at all. This is one of those episodes where I'm like, "Why are you here and then here and then here?" like, "I don't understand your thoughts as to why you got to this place." But like yeah. Cuz normally it's Hank or no, Harry who's going from like random place to random place to random place. Yeah. This particular episode it's Mainly Jacoby, but Evelyn in this scene was like... um...
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was like, why are you here? Yeah, You happen to be here at the right time. Hmm." But she tells Donna that James has left and tells her to go back home. But clearly Donna doesn't trust her. (laughs) <laughs> we could definitely yeah. tell by her face
0: part of me really wants Donna it's just like yank her hair and put her in a headlock <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> i was thinking like has laura's like double life completely ruined donna's trust in blonde women because she does not trust her <laughs> one second
0: Ugh. i was like donna don't be scared of evelyn you better show her who she should be scared of you've dealt exactly. with more than her <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly um and then we quickly flash over to the marsh residence where james's song is playing yuck and just you
2: and i <laughs> <laughs> you and i
1: and he's you know acting very distraught and writhing and throwing himself everywhere and ugh, i was like okay whatever
0: <laughs> yeah i was th- that was the point where i was really shocked like there is not as much of james and evelyn pre Donna as i remember at no.
2: all <laughs> <laughs> no i, <laughs> I don't think, know why i, I bothered think... to fast forward all this years. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: It's a good thing we're coming to the end, in my opinion. But back at the Great Northern, we see Ben leading the Confederacy in the battlefield. Jerry comes in and <laughs> finds Dr. Jacoby is there.
0: I just remembered something that I had learned for the notes that I lost. Uh-huh. At this time, like in 1990, Ken Burns came out with his Civil War documentary. And oh. so Civil War was like really big in the zeitgeist and everybody was like really into the Civil War. So that is why... This storyline got put into Twin Peaks.
1: Uh, okay, that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I remember like watching Glory during this
2: time. <laughs> <game. I'm>
1: like... <laughs> it feels like every, you know, maybe like every decade or two, there's always like, A like a quote unquote war that kind of like is the moment like after that it was like Vietnam War and
2: yeah I
0: I mean I'm sure that I did watch the Civil War Ken Burns documentary because I love a good Ken Burns documentary but I Mm -hmm. didn't watch it then because I was like twelve so
2: I mean but I do
0: remember watching Glory so I feel like yes Civil War was very much like in entertainment of the the mind
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that makes sense.
0: Sorry, I just thought I'd add that because I totally forgot about that.
1: (laughs) No, well, um, here, I'll just keep reading. Uh, uh, Audrey informs him (laughs) that Ben does not see him as Jerry, but as a a Confederate general. And Dr. Jacoby (laughs) informs Jerry and Audrey that by Ben reversing the Confederacy's defeat, that he'll in turn reverse his own emotional setbacks. And I wrote sort of what Maya said. (laughs) Like when we talked about it last episode.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I had so many thoughts about this. Okay, first of all, it's funny that they refer to him as the general, then (laughs) everyone, I feel like, they must have all watched the Kit Burns documentary because everyone is so, like, they must have had to bone up on their Civil War knowledge to, like, (laughs) keep up with whatever Ben is doing. And I'm actually really surprised that Ben would know so much about the Civil War in general. Mm -hmm. Because thinking about it, it seems like there's a very little chance that his relatives would have been in the Confederacy, being, like, a Washington state. I don't think that that was a confederacy state. I don't even know if that was an actual proper state at the time.
2: I don't think it was.
0: But I just kind of feel like Ben (laughs) watching this part made me think, oh, Ben just needs like a really long (laughs) playtime
2: where he can just (laughs) be
0: lost in playtime.
2: And I also wondered why Jacoby
0: would be encouraging this because I was wondering if he just wanted to like write him up for a psychiatric journal or something, but like, yeah. You know, I know Jacoby has weird ideas of psychology, but it's Um, like, is this really the best way to? But whatever. I
1: (laughs) I would say that definitely the next scene that we get with Jacoby, uh, it definitely made me question his uh, (laughs) his professionalism (laughs) and his level of care and his just his overall effectiveness as a psychiatrist. Yeah. So I think he's just there to cause chaos, maybe. With his little 3D Yeah, we've glasses. already known
0: he's not the best psychiatrist. Or he's... No. Um outside of what the standard would think acceptable, I would say. Right.
1: (laughs) He has uh, a tendency to get a little too invested into his patients. Yeah. But Anyways, back at the (laughs) station, we see Major Briggs stumble in and collapse. Lucy takes a quick... He's
0: entering to the same battle music, like the same Civil War battle music, which I thought was kind of weird. Like Because he collapses, and they don't really explain why he collapses. So...
1: Yeah. Yeah, cool, because I I figured since Lucy brings them all water, I'm like, was he just, like, did he escape? Was he exhausted? Like, I don't know. (laughs) But I guess we never got told.
0: Not really. I mean, who did he escape from, though? Like, the Air Force? Yeah. They were just questioning him (laughs) so hard about his disappearance. (laughs) He had a collapse when he got to the...
1: Maybe using unconventional methods. It's (laughs) interesting.
0: I feel like there's a lot of questions unanswered.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, it's all classified. But yeah, uh, Lucy takes a quick look at her makeup and then brings, you know, next scene we see them all <laughs> with water. And then the major goes on to say that he thought the Air Force was a society of men for good, but now he doubts it, <gasps> which is kind of scary. He believes he went to the White Lodge during his disappearance and that he senses much trouble ahead. Crazy. And I yeah, and then I wrote, is Wyndham Bob's new host somehow, or another version of Bob, or something like that? I don't like it.
0: Uh, we do see an owl later. Yes, we do. I like that Briggs says, I'll be in the shadows until you need me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's I like,
1: mean, I need I a know. break. <laughs> but Andy comes in to show Coop and Harry to another room where Dr. Jacoby, Hawk, Lana, and a plate of donuts sit. Dr. Jacoby informs them that he spent the last 24 hours with Lana, and I wrote inferences. Hmm. Dot, dot, How's dot. that possible
0: when he's been spending so much time with Ben? We saw him with Ben. How did he spend 24 hours with Lana?
1: I don't know. I Those took are that questions. As, <laughs> yeah, I took that as like an overnight treatment. If you catch I just me. said
0: he's the Harry of this episode, running all over yes. the place.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he concludes that she's not cursed or responsible for her former husband's death. However, she does have a heightened sex drive and a working knowledge of technique and anatomy. Gross.
0: It's so funny that Robin Lively is considered the height of sex appeal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did write, good for her. Uh, you gotta be the pheromones. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and then I wrote Lana and Jacoby are leaving the office to go bowling when suddenly we hear a scream. We find that Mayor Milford is aiming a shotgun at Lana and Jacoby. He still thinks oh, Lana shit. is responsible for her brother <laughs> for his brother's death.
0: Come on, your brother was old.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then I wrote, Coop then has the quote-unquote right idea to put Lana and a man with a shotgun in a room together alone. Doesn't seem to be the (laughs) most safe idea for her, but I guess let's go along with it.
0: I know, I was like, they have great faith in her powers of persuasion. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, I guess it pays off because after enough time has passed, they enter and find Lana kissing the mayor All over his face,
0: and enough time is one commercial break because that is like one of the only times we get a. We're in one spot, commercial break. We're in the same spot.
2: Yes, time has passed. (laughs) That's
0: like, like this. This episode is full of like random singular things that aren't normally within like the lexicon of how the show tells us stuff these are all like new ways okay well we're gonna go to (laughs) commercial break during the scene Uh, and
1: then i was like why did
0: they all pull their guns before they went in there like if they were that scared yeah why did they leave her in there with a guy with a gun
1: (laughs) exactly if i was her i would sue them but whatever
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was pretty funny
1: though. They come in and find (laughs) kissy marks all over his face, and he says that they've decided to adopt a child. And I wrote, These Milford boys are really something else.
0: (laughs) Oh, I gotta love Robin Lively. I mean, you've got to love
1: her. (laughs) (laughs) You must. All right, so at the Martell residence, we find Pete lamenting over some hot dogs. Before we get to
0: Pete, we see some very traumatic totem poles.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, some very scary (laughs) imagery.
0: It's like don 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 totem pole, don 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 totem pole.
1: (laughs) Catherine tells him that she has something to show him, and the reason that she was able to survive the fire and overcome Ben. And she reveals to Pete that her brother Andrew is still alive. Andrew goes into his history with Thomas Eckert and how he planned Andrew's death for six years. And they reveal their plan to lure Eckhart to them with Josie, in which they'll find out which side she's truly on now.
0: Okay. Again, a lot of things to say.
1: First, (laughs) Pete,
0: we forgot about the Wainies. Hilarious. (laughs) The music
1: response, in my opinion. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) The music in this scene is like, some like classical dramatic classical piece Mm -hmm. and it's so unique for twin peaks we never get anything like this
1: i did notice that
0: and pete has the best reactions ever
2: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) i love his reactions and then i was like wait a minute andrew packard has been faking his death for how long six years and Catherine has known about it this Whole time and Thomas Eckert is coming. More new threats. It's just like, yes. whoa, blow my
2: everything.
1: Mind. <laughs> yeah, it feels like everything is coming to a head and from being at the same exact time. Yeah, it's crazy. But then after that conversation, we flash over to the Great Northern where we see a woman checking in, and she <gasps> reveals to us that she's checking into two rooms for Thomas Eckert. He's <laughs> here.
0: He's here and he's wearing his sunglasses indoors and at night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's to show that he's dangerous and serious and not to be trifled with. Yeah, not
0: um, reflecting the fire even. Ooh, dangerous. Yeah,
1: I wrote that. That was like one of my favorite shots of this episode because it like he just turns and it's perfectly lined up. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So raining. back at the s- is it? I feel like it was wild. pouring here oh well, If it's earlier. loud, that's
0: because it's raining. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so back at the station, we see Lucy and Doc dragging Dick in and asking for Andy to join them. And as he leaves to join them, we see Harry talking to Coop about a murder in Seattle. And the murder is of the man who was threatening Josie and taking her back to Eckhart. Looks like they a specula- Josie story
0: coming down the pipe.
1: <laughs> yes, which I'm very excited for. They start to reading a
0: book on Tibet during that. Hmm
1: everything is always like of the right exact time very <laughs> like is this a coincidence there are no coincidences in Twin Peaks
2: <sighs>
1: um, but they speculate on what Josie's involvement in his death was but then we cut to an office where Andy and Dick are being scolded for their speculations that little Mickey's <laughs> <is a> murderer <laughs> we find out that Mickey's life was void of good luck as he was conceived out of rape and born into poverty and oh, that his so mother sad. passed during his birth he's been like riddled with bad luck
0: yeah i i like it when doc hayward says dick i did not drop you on your head when i brought you into this world don't give me cause to regret it <laughs> <laughs> and then i wondered how old is doc haywood how old is dick tremaine is he like 30
1: yeah well or is- maybe it was one of those things where because it was such a small town like doc was well
0: we know he's delivered every child ever born yeah. since he became a doctor <laughs> But, like, it just made me think, like, if he became a doctor when he was, like, 25, right. I don't know how long medical school takes, but I imagine it takes a while. Yeah. And if Dick is 30, that means that he's at least 55, which seems about right. But, like, once you get older than that, then Daquiwood starts getting older than I'm expecting him to be. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I find I it know. hard to kind of guess how, like, old certain people are. How old are. any of
0: these people are. <laughs>
1: yeah i just well, especially always thought like, of
0: them as older than me and now they're all younger than me so it <laughs> makes me crazy
1: <laughs> well, i feel like the early 90s was like a really hard time to kind of figure that out because the hairstyle made everyone look older but then like everyone's talking like they're younger i don't know yeah I don't. sorry know. go
0: on to your your little nickies
1: <laughs> he was put into an orphanage and bounced around foster homes until he was finally adopted but unfortunately they were involved in a car crash where his two new parents were killed.
0: And he pulled both of his dead parents from the wreckage of the car crash at six years old. (laughs) I was like, what?
1: Yeah, well, I was like, first of all, does that strike you as weird? And then I wrote, nothing in Twin Peaks is ever as it seems, so I'm not giving up on any speculation of little Mickey yet.
0: (laughs) True, he could still be the omen.
1: (laughs) He could be, you never
2: know.
0: But I like how Andy and Dick are weeping by the end of
1: yes. it. <laughs> and Lucy's It's a very dramatic
0: telling. Yes.
1: <laughs> He's like, I hope you're ashamed.
0: She looks like shocked when she slacks it too. Like, oh, what have I done? <laughs> I can't believe I smashed it.
1: <laughs> so James is continuing his fit at the Marsh residence and packing up to leave. Evelyn wants him to stay, but he says he can't because it's wrong. Alluding to the fact that he doesn't want to stay if she's married still, and then I wrote, "Wasn't Laura still with Bobby when James and her got together?" Also, he started dating her best friend right after she died, and also sort of her cousin <laughs> at the same time. And I was like, a weird thing Very to get true. hung up on.
0: Very true, but I was like, didn't we already establish that James was leaving? Why are we still having the same conversation? Right. Why are you <laughs> <guys> not?
1: <doing it?" laughs> oh, James.
0: She says she loves him, but I'm like, you do not love him, Evelyn. Do not even.
1: (laughs) No, it seemed very convincing because. You think so? Well, yeah, because like her, just the way she told him, like she seemed very like that emotional response seemed genuine. And then the fact that she told Don, the way she talked to Donna seemed a little bit like she was jealous of Donna in a way. And then true. she lets she lets she tells James to to leave. She lets him leave.
0: It's true. The whole story so. is a bit convoluted, so it's Yeah. Like, it's really weird the fact that Donna is sneaking around there. The fact that Evelyn is like yeah. I love you and then she seems like she's tr- trying to keep him there but then she's like oh no you should leave. I, like I just don't know what to think. Yeah. I don't know who to trust, who to believe and I feel like Evelyn <sighs> I'm finding it very hard to trust and believe her.
2: Oh, and why? Not because I've seen
1: it before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she—you know—is technically she killed her husband. That we she's, know. But of.
0: Maybe it's because she's so film noir, and you know, they're yes. always on trust. You can never
1: trust, right? Yeah. But yeah, like you said, she she reveals that she loves James, and then we hear police sirens. Then she tells James that there's been an accident and that her husband is dead, but that it was all Malcolm's idea and that he's not her brother. Duh. Uh, (laughs) I wrote, Thank the Lord. Sure, I'm
0: willing to give Malcolm all the blame, I guess.
1: (laughs) I mean, he did kind of come off as like a little bit not mastermind ish when we got that. She did imagine the
0: crash and look like pleased by the idea
2: of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think they're both probably equally responsible. She tells James to go so he won't get caught. And he's escaping, but runs into Donna, <laughs> which was weird. Um, and then they disappear. They run away.
0: <sighs> we'll see what happens next.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, last scene, we we meet Leo wandering in the forest as an owl <gasps> screeches at him from above.
0: Scary. Ah! I was like, ah!
1: Stay (laughs) and we also get more foggy forest shots I Uh,
0: I like this misty tree shot
1: (laughs) mm -hmm. he stumbles into a cabin to find a man with a gun the man invites him in and puts down the gun next to a chessboard Mm -hmm. and i and i wrote i think we all know who this is
2: it's (laughs) windham earl
1: and then as he reveals himself the window bursts open and the wind blows out the light next to him (laughs) (laughs) i like that
0: leo is aware enough to try and kill shelly but not enough to like Get out of the woods,
2: <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> and also, does Wyndham have like a flag pin on his jacket? There's something. Oh, I do not even notice. it's like, "Are you patriotic? <laughs> this is pre-Bush. <laughs> I don't know what's going on."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I didn't notice that. I might, I might rewatch to see because I feel like this episode, especially, there are like little details to look for
2: yeah
0: sorry if i interrupted too much but there was a lot going on in that episode (laughs) there was
1: i'm saying there was a lot to talk about because it's one of those it's building up everything to like have our climax soon
0: yeah oh i wrote something that is not the notes but something else i had written down Mm -hmm. i was listening to john bernardi's podcast blue rose task force and he was talking about episode six and he was talking about how Mark Frost and David Lynch both approach Margaret Lanterman uh-huh. with, like, different approaches towards her. Okay. Like, Lynch is more from the inside out and Frost is more from the outside in. Does that make sense? Yeah, I So, like, Lynch is talking about more, like, ooh, how she knows stuff and Frost is more, like, what happened to her, you know.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes st- sense.
0: And it just, anyway, it just made me think of like how maybe it's because of them both working on it together that it gives all the characters in Twin Peaks like kind of a dual nature, like extra, mm-hmm. you know, more in depth to them and makes them more complete. And then I was like, well, the podcast has that too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it does.
0: It's the sense and sensibility.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. Peaks. <laughs> I love that. How it just came perfectly lined up with. The duality of sense and sensibility, that's great.
0: Yeah, I think Mark Frost is the sense and David Lynch is the sense of... Oh, sensibility. Oh, sensibility.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Which means that David Lynch is a Marianne and Mark Frost is an LR.
0: Yes, but David Lynch is an Aquarius, ironically. (laughs) I don't know what Mark Frost is. I bet it's out there because I'm pretty sure he's the one who wanted everyone to get astrology
1: well i could tell you really 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 fast what day he was born <laughs> and maybe you could
0: <laughs> i can tell you
1: he was born november 25th isn't that a uh, sagittarius scorpio or is it is it cusp sagittarius scorpio
0: it's, it's november 25th you said
1: mm-hmm.
0: i don't know if it's scorpio or sagittarius
1: let's me look uh, okay so scorpio this says ends on the 22nd so it's like very cuspy okay right on that it's changed so it's like probably both a sag, well, that sounds more like a,
0: a Marianne, from what we've classified her as. Hmm. Interesting. But very I interesting. still think... Well, that's funny, because I just found Mark Frost's card, which says Sagittarius. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he
0: went to Carnegie Mellon.
2: Oh, wow.
1: Very prestigious.
0: David Lynch's card merely says, accomplishments, Eagle Scout. That's literally the <laughs> only thing it says.
1: <laughs> that seems very David Lynch. Yep.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well... Oh, do we have favorite parts?
1: Oh, yeah. I would say this episode... I kind of like the scene where Andy and Dick are getting sculpted by Lucy and Doc. I think it's really funny. <laughs> but the, essentially, it was that like... Is
0: a really great scene.
1: I just like that we get this build-up and it's never been kind of discounted until this episode where they talk to Lucy about it one time and she's like, Are you guys crazy?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and it made me it's go, I am the worst at not giving spoilers. <laughs> <Just literally. laughs> I understand this. Please don't yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I really liked it when Ed was talking to Norma about Nadine uh, yeah. and how she wanted to start dating boys. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: and
0: I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> but I also was really like, I was legitimately... Scared and like "Ah!" the whole time that Leo and Shelly thing was going on.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that was a good scene. She's a very good, like, horror actress because she looked terrified.
0: Yes, and she definitely has the most, like, people after her, scariness going on in her life. (laughs) She lives in a horror house.
1: (laughs) God, poor Shelly.
0: Okay. Well, let's do the deep dive.
2: Okay.
0: We're doing this one on Doctor Lawrence Jacoby because right. Mr. run around from one scene to the next and say, I was been with this girl the whole weekend, but really we just saw you with Binhorn. So Right. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: he has some good stuff in season three, but um I don't know, maybe we can like discuss him then again. But I will say that he supposed um, according to his backstory grew up in hawaii he like was born in twin peaks then lived in hawaii and then moved back to twin peaks and then his parents divorced and he moved back to hawaii his father was like in the navy so that makes sense Mm -hmm. his brother and father stayed in twin peaks he and his mother lived in hawaii and he got his degree somewhere in hawaii but he studied native cultures and their views on mental illness alternative medicine and shamanism And he wrote a book based on his research because he went around to like a bunch of aboriginal tribes and Mm -hmm. researched them. And the book was called The Eye of God, Sacred Psychology in the Aboriginal Mind. And I was like, are you sure that's not a book? Because it sounds like something that would be a book. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But but this book basically kind of made him famous-ish and very controversial among his colleagues. So Hmm. we were talking about him earlier. I was like trying not to... Feel, like referencing this from what I... Could you please not be so loud, Kitty? Okay.
2: <laughs>
0: but according to his card, okay. he was born January 30th, 1934, making him an Aquarius, which was honestly Ooh. what I was originally thinking of him as before I even checked it.
2: <sighs> Spot on.
0: Another Aquarius. <laughs> we haven't had very many Aquariuses, and then suddenly the last couple weeks, it's all been Aquarius, Aquarius. <laughs> it says he likes Bright colors and Hawaiian shirts. Education, (laughs) uh. The Puna Puna Punahua School in Hawaii, University of Hawaii Medical School. Accomplishments. I placed third in the interscholastic surfing competition, my senior year of high school. (laughs) My research on tropical disorders, I don't know why that's in quotes, remains the basis for treatment techniques of this mental ailment. Okay. That doesn't even make sense. But um, strengths, my ability to see the world through rose and aqua-colored glasses,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: thereby balancing the right and left side of my brain. Weaknesses, my inability to conform to any reality base. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: that seems well,
0: I, I'm just going to say Aquarius is fine by me because that's what I was originally yeah. thinking. Because fun. he definitely that's seems weird. like one of those... I'm more interested in the collective than the individual, you know.
1: Yeah, definitely. He seems definitely like that.
0: <laughs> so definitely chaotic. I would say chaotic <laughs> neutral, maybe.
1: <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I think chaotic neutral because I don't think you can be good and you know act the way you do around your patients.
0: Oh <laughs> well, I mean, just his relationship with Laura.
1: Exactly. Could, That's what keeps him out of part. the
0: realm of <laughs> good.
1: chaotic good. <laughs> Yeah, definitely chaotic neutral.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, Jane Austen. I feel like he would love Jane Austen or he would definitely have read all of Jane Austen.
2: Oh definitely. He might have
0: a lot of psycho- psychological things to say about her. He'd probably be one of those people who like had theories mm-hmm. that people would be like you non supporter. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this because he's Q-Anon like theorizing like
0: Eleanor <laughs> and blah blah blah. I had an affair and had a love child. You know he'd be one of those. Right.
1: Um... <laughs> one of those people who was like this is the most outlandish theory ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think he would like sense and sensibility because we've said so much about how it it seems to analyze people's like intentions for doing things and their motivations. And I feel like he would be really into that.
0: I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah.
1: (sighs) Two minds.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think he'd be really attracted to Marianne. Oh yeah. Maybe
1: (laughs) maybe a little too attracted to
0: Marianne.
2: Yeah, maybe. maybe. Um.
0: All right, well, there you go. Jacoby. Done. (laughs) (laughs) In the
2: books.
1: (laughs) Final thoughts?
0: I was pleasantly surprised. I was thinking Mm -hmm. after the last episode, which I did enjoy, but like, you know, wasn't as great, I guess, as the last ones have been. And has had like, more people complain about. I thought that this one would be, you know, kind of continuing a trend towards silliness, Mm -hmm. but I found it super scary and I didn't find it very silly. And I thought the silly parts were fun and a welcome relief. So I really enjoyed it.
1: (laughs) I, yeah, I feel the same. I, I do love scary movies, shows, and I like being scared in that way. And so I was really surprised that this episode was so scary. I loved it. And (laughs) Personally, I feel like it would, it really benefited the show to add those really scary elements because it kind of made the, those parts of the show, like a little bit more intense and like kind of have more weight in a sense. Like a lot of times I'm like, you know, Oh, Hoop's going to figure it out. Who cares? But this whole Wyndham (laughs) Earl stuff seems like it's so like unsure now. And yeah.
0: And the scariest are Wyndham and Leo. And now they're together at the end of this episode. Oh my God.
1: (laughs) But I'm excited and to see. Even what Even the happens.
0: James part, which is traditionally the part I will fast forward through and mm-hmm. not enjoy as much. I was like, you know, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of yes. questions about that and about Wyndham and his past, but I still enjoyed it a lot more than I generally do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm excited to see what comes next, because Gary.
0: I know. Next is the Diane Keaton episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Diane. <laughs>
0: Should we do recommendations?
1: Then? Sure. Do you have one or do you want me to go first?
0: I do have one, but you can go first if you like.
1: <laughs> okay. My recommendation, I think I recommended this show before, but I just finished, I think it's the third season of Disenchantment on Netflix. It's a animated show. Um, I think it's the same people who did uh, Futurama. It's got really good voice actors. It's got like Abby Jacobson and I can't remember what his name is, but the guy who does the voice of Bender is not it. And he does a lot of great voices. (laughs) Um, It's got Eric Andre in it. It's really funny and silly. And it's like fantasy based. It's all like about, but then it has like magic elements. But then, you know, it's got all sorts of stuff in it. It's really fun. But the last two episodes, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the last two episodes of this season almost kind of have like a reference to Twin Peaks in a way. There was like a mention of a red room and (laughs) a like a dream self and then a real self. Uh And so I know that's something that's maybe part of Twin Peaks season three. I'm not going to go too much into it, but (laughs) it definitely seemed to like, maybe just like kind of using those tropes and those things from Twin Peaks and like kind of making it like a fun part of this whole show. And so I think everyone should watch it.
0: I think I like watched the first couple episodes when it first came out, but I never got into the rest of it.
1: Yeah, it's very silly, very fun, not serious at all. Like if you're just looking for you know, adult humor that's has no really no stakes. Like watch it; it's so much <laughs> fun. I don't want to say no stakes, but you know what I mean.
0: All right, 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 right. Watch sure. Well, it's animated. Exactly. It's not as many stakes. <laughs> because we know Cartoon Land people can deal with more than you exactly. <laughs> All my knowledge of Cartoon Land comes from Roger Rabbit.
2: <laughs>
0: um Okay, well, mine is I re I just this last week. Watched the second season of The Witcher. Mm-hmm. And I really liked it. I liked the first season too. It's been so long that I kind of forgot what happened in the first season. And then I watched <laughs> a recap, which was done in chronological order. And I was like, oh, that's the order it went Because <laughs> the first <laughs> season was really crazy about the order everything went in. But the second season was much more linear. And, you know, it's a fun fantasy. I've watched a lot of mm-hmm. fantasy shows and it's, I like it. It's not like it doesn't have the you know unnecessary killing that like a game of thrones has uh-huh. but it's kind of on the darker scale okay of you know fantasy <laughs> it's more game right. of thrones than lord of the rings but it's based on like a video game that i've never played and a series mm-hmm. of books that i've never read So, <laughs> but i still like it so i'm gonna recommend it yeah i did that sort of thing
1: I've been meaning to watch it just because I do enjoy kind of um, you know I guess you would call it like medieval fantasy a lot and I I never played the games myself my dad played one of the games and loved it and I mean I think one of those games they're they're like one of the best games for whatever platform they are on of, of uh-huh. like all time everyone loves them so i'm gonna have to watch that show because it's been on my list for a while
0: yeah i mean henry cavill is hot and the girl who plays unifer yes. is really good and hot as well so like you can't really Just, go wrong when everybody's right. hot
1: <laughs> <laughs> pretty medieval people what else do you want
0: and they're good actors too so like it was
1: recommendation <laughs> okay.
0: what comes next
1: if you would like to get into contact with us um, you can email us at mannersofmadness at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter at mannersmadness or on Instagram at Pod, or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersofmadness.com.
0: Yes, and we really hope that you will and we would love it if you give us a rating or a review on iTunes. Spotify also now does ratings, so we would like that as well. If you would like, or follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Tell your friends if you think they'd like us. You know, the good stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You guys know what to do at this point. Yeah. Make us famous. (laughs) Actually, don't make us famous. Make us rich. I'd rather be rich, please. Or
0: just, you know, make a few more people listen to the
2: podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Either or, I guess.
0: (laughs) Uh, I mean, we do have the most unique podcast in history, but.
1: (laughs) It does. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Very niche.
0: (laughs) Very niche. Which means we need all of your assistance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well, oh, God, I forgot we had to look, I gotta look this up. Next week, we are doing Sense and Sensibility epi- episodes, the chapters 23 through 29. And then we'll be back in the week after with uh, 15, season yes. two, episode 15 of Twin Peaks. So we're looking forward to it
2: yes
1: thank you so much for listening today and we will talk to you guys next week
0: good night
2: bye